Hey everybody, welcome to episode 114 of Making It, and happy birthday, Jimmy! Thank you very much, thank you guys. It's my Jimmy birthday here. It's I'm my Bob. birthday. David's here. What's hey! Up? Howdy, howdy. It ain't my birthday. Yeah. No. It's my birthday. How old are you, Jimmy? I just wanted to, 30, wanted to catch him off guard. 35, 38? 38? 34-0, right? Uh, thir- my, you know, my mother for years always said, I go, Ma, how old are you? She says, I'm 39 today. And then when I turned 39, I knew exactly what she meant. So today I'm 39. There you go. Nice. I'll accept that. I'm yeah. actually 50. No. 50. Oh, I'm like proud. Of, I'm proud of the fact that I made it this far and I'm still in fairly decent health. And I'm also dismayed that life goes so quickly, you know, and you discover things a little too late in life. And But, you know, we're all on the path that we're on. I don't mean to get heavy immediately, but... <laughs> 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 you know, it's uh, life is uh, it is what you make it, and and I'm happy with what I've made of it till now. So, yeah, thank you. Oh, every day, you know, take it by the horns and make it what you want it to be. I guess. Yeah, start a YouTube channel. <laughs> when you're young. <laughs> when you're young. <laughs> cool. Well, um, other than birthday stuff, what have you been doing? You just got back, right? We were just in Atlanta. We just got back. Jocko flew out to uh, flew to New York, and then together we drove to Atlanta. And we got there. I took. I had my buddy sub for my class, so we drove. From the minute I, I posted my vlog, so if anybody got that notification at two in the morning on Friday morning when my vlog posted, ten seconds later I was in the car picking Jocko up at the hotel, and we drove straight to Atlanta. We got there Friday night at nine o'clock. And we got to the lobby with a crowd full of cool people. We spent the night in the lobby and then the next day at the show and then Saturday evening in the lobby. And then you spent the night in the lobby. <laughs> they don't have no, rooms. No. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to bed. You know what it's like on those yeah, things. Yeah. So we all just hung out in the lobby, had a beautiful room. We were at the Sheridan in Atlanta. The, we, the woman, for some reason, maybe because we look so fancy after 20 hour car ride, she gave us, she upgraded it, both of us to kind of like a, like an apartment type of, room on the top floor so it was really really beautiful room wow. and for the same price that we expected to pay for you know just your average room <coughs> and it was great there was so many new youtubers there of course and you know so many old youtubers there including me and just like i didn't know who exactly was going so it was just wonderful to be surprised and i saw lutes and uh, and uh, berkey and just so many guys, and like I said, so many young new YouTubers that are just starting out, and it's good to put faces with the projects, because, you know, oh, I'm the guy that made this. Oh, I know exactly what that is. I didn't see mm. it. Oh, it's always your hands and your face for a split second, so it's hard to identify, you know. And uh, it was great. It was like Izzy was there. Izzy was sort of the master of ceremonies, and, and um, yeah, it was great. It was a good group of people, and it's just good to, it's just good to catch up and, you know, solidify the community more and more there was a guy named frank came from slovenia he was the furthest away came from slovenia a couple of guys from from britain came great britain Mm. and uh who else there was another european i can't remember oh jocko of course but there was somebody else there might have been somebody from russia i can't remember i'll think of it i'll think of it Hmm. but yeah it was a wonderful time it's just it's really just so heartwarming and nice to hang out with those guys and and my metal fab guys came jd and and Wyatt, and, and of course Jody, they all live in Atlanta, so I hung out with those guys, Jody from Welding Tips and Tricks, so it was it's always nice to see everybody all together in one place, so it was great, it was cool. worth the was, 
Was it mostly just hanging out, or were there any like events, excursions, anything? <clears throat> a lot of just walking around the show, hanging out at the show. And in the evening after we had a, a little get-together at a sports bar, there was like every table was filled up with our crowd. There wasn't one big table. But we did a little giveaway, so it was like impromptu. Everybody went out into the courtyard at the restaurant. And you'll see some footage of my, my vlog this week. We had a couple of laughs, and I gave away ice picks, and I couldn't come up with good questions. I was doing a very spontaneous, and I said, like, for instance, who has the longest beard, <laughs> who came from the furthest away, and who has the least amount of YouTube subscribers? So, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Frank from Slovenia won, and then the least amount of YouTube subscribers was seven. I, I didn't remember the gentleman's name. Um, yeah, it was fun. We had a bunch of laughs, and, and uh, uh, Sean Stone was there. He gave away some of his stuff, and, and there was a, a couple people. The Southern Gingers Act and the Southern the Southern Woodworkers Crew was there, so a new a new organization. So got to meet all those guys in person. Mm -hmm. There's more that I'm forgetting, but I'll remember as we talk. Well, I have some breaking news. Uh oh, you guys ready for uh -oh. this? You're pregnant. Not exactly. Uh oh, <laughs> I got my Ancestry.com DNA results back. Oh, oh my God, who are you related to? Turns out. <laughs> I'm mostly Italian, 26%, mm -hmm. right. and there are no claggots in my family tree. Mm. <laughs> Wait, I was really hoping I could come to the picnic, man. You're still point. invited. You're still invited. Okay. Awesome. Jimmy, you can come too. Oh, thank you. No Durastas. <laughs> yeah, so um, I really don't know what I'm working on this week. I need to decide in the next couple hours. I most likely will do some sort of uh, laser project i've been um, learning some new techniques in illustrator with patterns and, and shapes and stuff and so i might do some sort of repeating pattern framed art piece type of thing but other than that i don't really know what i'm going to work on just yet it'll be a last minute decision awesome. those are usually the best projects and you know what that that's absolutely true it's usually i'm like freaking out trying to come up with something i'm like it's going to be dumb this is going to be my worst video and then it ends up doing well <laughs> nice yep. So I saw yesterday you were cutting uh, live hinges. Is that what you were calling them? Uh, living on the hinges. Laser. On the laser. Living hinges. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's, um, I, I, I believe, is the term that they're called where you, um, in wood or any kind of material on a laser, you cut a bunch of lines so you can bend it. And I wasn't doing it for any particular project. I just wanted to do it to just see how the process works and, and if it can be done. And, well, obviously it can well. Not obviously, but it worked for me, and then I ended up breaking the piece of wood <laughs> by bending <laughs> it too much. But I learned, um, you know, there's um, there's a whole bunch of different patterns that you can use for the living hinges, and uh, I tried one that was called Beehive, which is a bunch of little diamond shapes. And uh, what I learned is if you do this, you might want to back it with a piece of cloth or paper or, or leather or whatever and that keeps it from from breaking so don't know how i'm going to use it yet but i know it can be done and i know how to do it now and we'll incorporate that into the into a future project awesome that's something i've always wanted to try out on uh, on the laser but it's kind of the same thing like i don't have a particular need for it or any ideas but yeah. i do i have seen some um like project boxes with where the profile of it is curved, so it has like a chamfer on the corners, and they've used that to be able to, to get a nice curved corner. You know, I was um, actually looking um, at some of those particular types of boxes on Pinterest where the, the fronts and backs were solid, and then they had those hinges on the, on the corners. And I thought to myself, 
I think it would look cooler if it had those cuts all the way through, even on the sides and the back. But then you just shaped it using the, the top and bottom piece to the shape that you want. I don't know, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's 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 lots of things you can do. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see. For me, uh, video that's coming out this week is a big outdoor storage cabinet. Really basic two by four plywood kind of thing, but um, helps me hide all the you know, yard stuff and everything. And so it should be something that I think a lot of people might find useful, be able to make their own. So that's pretty cool. Today I've been um, restoring some tools. I don't know if restoring is the right word. Tuning, maybe? But a couple weeks ago, I remember I got the uh, drill press and the belt grinder from that uh, estate sale. Remember I told you about yeah. that? Yeah. So I... I think I'm going to make a video. I mean, I've been shooting a video about kind of getting these two back in shape. I'm not really sure if that's going to be interesting to anybody, but I've been shooting it. Um, and mainly it's like rust removal and getting things smooth and clean and, you know, moving smoothly and stuff like that on the drill press. Both tools work, so I didn't have to actually fix anything necessarily. But um, so drill press was just kind of getting it running smoothly. The belt grinder, the little platform that goes around the belts that you actually work on was aluminum and it had a bend and it would still function, but it was not flat, you know. So um, I had a big kind of quarter inch, I think it was quarter inch uh, steel plate. And so I ended up cutting a new new table there to mount on and, you know, I had to line that up and drill the holes and countersink and all that stuff. And then I made the side of it where the... um, belt is running between the motor and the, the front wheel, the panel that covers that belt was gone. I don't know. Maybe I just forgot to pick it up. So I just got to fabricate like a little cover to put over that and painted it and stuff. So, you know, it's nothing groundbreaking, but hopefully it'll encourage some people to buy old tools and yeah. make them work, make yeah. them prettier. Jimmy, so have you ever doing that. buying old tools? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm buying, actually, you talked about a belt grinder. I'm working with a, a guy named Chris who I met at the blacksmithing weekend two weekends ago, and I'm buying from him that the, the belt will be three inches wide by 11 feet long. It's one of the belt grinders that you see on the All Me channel when you see the Reforged guy sanding. It's mm-hmm. one of those. Uh, I forget exactly what the brand name is, but when I was hanging out, he's like, oh, I got three of these. I'm selling one. And I said, I'm buying it. So <laughs> we were just nice. texting about it just a half hour ago. So, so here's, a, here, here's a question about belt grinders, because I know zero about them. Um, you see a lot, I mean, obviously the different widths of belt make sense, like why you would want that for different uses. What's the point of having a different length? Like, why have a belt that's that long? Uh, think of it this way. Let's say if you had to cut through, uh, like, the bar, of, the bar of, uh, of a jail cell, and your saw blade was three inches long, how long would that last? Now imagine that saw blade was ten feet long. So it's just about durability. And I think it's yeah. and heat. Because and there's heat, time for so, yeah. there's time for it to cool down. Ah. Okay. Yeah. So if you think about it, like if one tooth is gonna do this much work, two teeth are gonna do twice that much work, four teeth are gonna do that much more work. And yeah. so, you know, if you just have a really long belt, it's just gonna last a lot longer and you're just gonna have that much more grinding power behind it all. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Um, another little totally unrelated thing that I did this week was get some dental work done. 
And uh, but uh, I wanted to bring it up because my dad was a dentist. He's retired now. But in in my family, my grad, my sorry, my dad, my granddad, and my uncle were all dentists. They had a practice together. So I grew up around dentistry and you know seeing my dad work and all that stuff. And I totally did not pay attention to growing up to the artistry that's in dentistry. Um, but so I had a chip last week in, the, in one of my front teeth and it was like, probably not to where you would see it if you, unless you were looking for it, but it was like on one of my front ones and it was like a nick out of it, which apparently the dentist said I should not be holding screws and stuff in my mouth when I'm working. Cause that's probably what did it. So don't do that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I had this chip on the front tooth and it was like just on the end of it. It was not super deep, not super wide. Um, but so I was asking him, like, you know, are you going to be able to fill this little thing and have it blend in with the rest of the tooth? And he was like, oh, yeah, like totally confident. And I'm like, but it's like right on the front, you know. And anyway, so they went through the process. He did his work and held up a mirror. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that blows my mind. You used the bonded stuff, right? The bonding stuff. Yeah, it's like a right. composite. Yeah, UV but the, there's a lot of different parts to why that works and you know i was thinking about it while he was doing like watching all the steps he was doing the different tools he was using and you know they have to get a material that will bond and stay in place and this is not like a cavity where they're filling a hole this is like a like a divot right so it's they have it has to bond in there so they had to rough up the surface just like you would if you were doing body work or something i guess rough it up they mix up this stuff that matches the color of my teeth which nobody has consistently you know colored teeth they're like jumbles of different colors and they get darker as you get older stuff like that so they have to match the color mix the stuff up then they put it on and it has to be shaped correctly smooth following the curve of the surface you know it has to have the texture along the bottom like the texture your teeth have all this different stuff there's just a bunch of little details to it and it took him like i don't know 15 minutes and he held the mirror up and it was completely gone completely seamless i can't feel it with my tongue it's i don't know it just blows me away because <laughs> I don't think people. I don't think dentists get enough credit for being good at that type of stuff. But nice. That's true. I, I have a little divot. I have a, a, a chip in my front tooth that is like a. It looks like like a. It's like a perfect little square. Like if you, it looks like a little tiny square person ran through the edge of my tooth. <laughs> a little tiny square person. <laughs> and the dentist did exactly the same thing to, that you described. He bonded it and like put the UV light on it, and it's been there for like almost. 10 years it hasn't fallen out yeah that's crazy anyway high five dentists thank you dentists say about that yeah we have a topic don't we D kind <laughs> of yeah kind of yeah um yeah so i was thinking earlier because i i always like go back and forth between being really productive and getting a lot of stuff done and then the rest of the time i get nothing done and i just in place and so i've started trying to figure out like what makes those things happen like what situation i said i can set up that makes me really productive and what are the things that get in my way and make me like focus on not work stuff so i don't know i don't know that that's really interesting for anybody else to know what those things are for me but maybe it'll help people identify what helps them be productive yeah. and what stops them so um i i can start it off because we haven't really talked through this i don't know if you guys even have any ideas here but i have a um, so so for me, like I think the bigger thing, my nature is to be productive. So I think it's not hard for me to to produce. 
but I've started trying to identify the stuff that stops me from producing and gets in the way. And one of the big things is uh, just not being interested in the thing that I <laughs> sounds weird now that I say it, not being interested in the thing that I want to do. Yeah. So sometimes I want to like, I can't even think of a project now. Sometimes I want to make a table, but I'm not actually interested in making the table. Like I'm not interested in the construction of it or in the design of it or something about it. Like there's nothing about the, this overall idea that actually has grabbed my interests. And so that makes it really hard. And the times that I've been able to notice that, that's when I step back and I say, okay, well then this project's not done. Like the design's not finished. If I'm not excited about it, if it's not, if it doesn't have like a thing, like an extra little something to it, then that means I'm not actually ready to start building it. I need to back up a little bit, design more, change the idea, or just shelve it for now. Um, another thing is when I I like to have all the pieces that I'm going to need for something, and this this is just. I don't know. I shouldn't be this way. But I like to have all the, the stuff I'm going to need to make a project. And so if I have like half the parts, I'm like, well, percent of the work. Or I could just sit here and think about the fact that I don't have 100% of the, the stuff I need. Um, and so I've been trying more and more to, when I think of a project, before I really get into the, the details of like sizing and design and stuff, I figure out like what are the components that I'm going to need to do this that I don't have on hand. Let me go ahead and order those so that when, by the time I get the design done and I'm ready to start building, I have all the stuff. You know? Are you just making excuses to not get started? Yeah, say, totally. <laughs> I make the list. You know, let me see. And then you feel like you're being productive when you're doing like the easiest part of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I think the, the excuse is like I don't have enough stuff to finish it, so I'm not going to start it. But I do think it's a productive step to say, like, what do I need so that, that that excuse doesn't become an issue, you know, in two days or whatever. Um, yeah. But. I, I always like to get started. A lot of times if I'm, if I'm going to begin a project, one of the first things I always say is, can I make it with what I have on hand? And I look around and I start poking through the material list or the pile, uh, the steel, the wood to see what I have on hand. And, and then I try and see if I could modify my original vision or like my loose vision to fit what the materials I have on hand are. And if I can't, then I just start with what I have. A good, a good example is this week I, I made core 77. I'll finish it up tomorrow. I made these, I talked about it, those bins that I had and I made a little shelf for these bins out of plywood and I needed steel edge banding because I'm going to put steel edge banding on the end because I'm kind of considering it an industrial usage these bins are going to be kind of thrown in and out, and I wanted the edge of the shelving to keep from getting chewed up. But I didn't have three-inch, I didn't have three-eighths of an inch wide by one-eighth inch thick steel flat. But I started to build the cabinet knowing that that was simple enough to get when I needed it. I didn't need to run out and grab it right away. So I definitely know what I need and know what I can get when, when the time is right for it. Then I go and get it, and that's what I did. I started the woodwork, and then I did the metalwork. How so? How often? Because I've run into that a few times lately, where I've tried to see, like, well, you know, do I have what I need on hand, or can I change it to make just what you said? How often does that happen to you, or how often do you say, like, nope, I'm going to have to go get stuff to make? Like, it's not worth settling for what I have on hand. Oh yeah, no, it, it happens about fifty-fifty. 
you know, I'll make a decision based on what I have on hand, whether I'm going to do this or that with it. But there are sometimes I have a very clear vision and I know that I need, you know, two inch thick walnut, for instance, or when I'm, I'm in my, my bedroom upstate right now talking and I'm looking at my bed. And I remember telling I could not begin this project until we had the very specific pieces of metal that we wanted. So we went on uh, online metals and got all the pieces cut to size. So when they arrived, we could just get started right away. I didn't have to cut anything. So that was really helpful. But So that was a really well thought out plan. Now, a lot of my plans obviously aren't as thought out as that. But, you know, I'm definitely loose enough. And then, for instance, with the cabinet, with the bin cabinet that I'm working on, I, you'll see that I use gold screws around the whole face of the so it's steel with a little brass screw. And I did not have the brass screws, and I could not find them locally, so I ordered them off a of McMaster car. So I was patient enough to place the order and wait two days to get them instead of just going, oh, well, never mind, I'll just use the black screws I have on hand. Because hmm. you know, there was a, there was plenty of time to to get them in house. If there wasn't, and I had to submit the video, you know, with not enough time, I would have just made a different decision. But it's all a matter of time, you know, if I have the time to get the material. So yeah, so that's the story. Just uh, it's fifty fifty. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. You know. Yeah. What? So what's something that stops you from being productive? What gets in the way? People knocking on my door, coming downstairs, saying hello. <laughs> there are days when literally like like brett brett's now kind of consistently hanging out and brett looked at me at five o'clock today because you you've just been consistently talking to people you haven't gotten one thing done i said i know you know it's hard for me to be rude and then when somebody's walking out and somebody else is walking in that just came from israel to say hello to me and then i go when you leave please close the door and they laugh i'm like i'm not kidding when you leave close the door behind you <laughs> <laughs> but so uh that has been the, the biggest hindrance is people walking in and saying hello. But I'm a pushover because just like we said earlier in this conversation, it's any excuse not to get started. Mm. And and if I'm in a jovial mood and I don't mind chit-chatting with seven different people who try to seek me out to find me to say hello, I'll sit down. But when it, when it gets right down to it and I know it's important that I can't goof off and waste time, I'll just close the door and leave the lock on it so it looks like I'm not there and and or I'll work at night when it's no one's going to be around hmm. i get a lot done when my phone is turned off and nobody's coming in the shop yeah i bet it's going to be quite a bit different being upstate you won't have yeah. to deal with that pretty much at all we'll, we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah i personally have a lot more examples of what keeps me from being unproductive than what keeps me on track but one of the things that i have found that works for me uh, is having a checklist. If I have my Tuesday or Thursday checklist, it really helps me focus on what I need to do. Plus that checklist is in chronological order, which gives me a milestones. And there's that little mini bit of satisfaction when you can cross the one thing off the list and you're like, mm, you know, we're, we're moving along. And I don't know why, but just it's, it's a mental thing. But those little milestones help me keep going throughout the day. You know, and yeah, I started doing that just because you mentioned it one time, and it is really helpful for me. Yeah, yeah. and the the things that get in the way is the exact same examples that you guys gave was, you know, not having the materials or or interruptions. I mean, that's the obvious answer is interruptions and things that, and the unexpected. But man, when I'm out of screws and we have to go to Home Depot to get screws just to finish up the project, you know that it's really hard to get back into the flow of work, the yeah. little interruptions. Like even when I was working with the ad agency, I turned my 
I have my email set to send and receive every half hour because I found like if, if it, if it would check for email every minute or every five minutes, I would get interrupted and it would be really hard for me to get back into the flow. So you gotta, you have to do whatever you need to do to get rid of those, those interruptions. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I listened to some different podcasts in the past where they talk about the cost of task switching. And we may have talked about this before. I don't remember, but basically just like the, the mental <clears throat> attention and power it takes to go from one thing to another. And, you know, that's just part of changing what you're focusing on. But when you change what you're focusing on, like every minute or every five minutes, check an email or check in Facebook or check in whatever, then you end up losing a lot of time kind of aggregate over the day because it's just, yeah, like, you know, 10 seconds here, 10 seconds there. It adds up. I'll, to I'll turn my phone off. I mean, today is my birthday, of course. And we, I was driving most of the day and I could not text and drive or couldn't answer emails and drive and my phone went off a hundred times but i had it on because the map was on and uh, i just have to answer all those tonight and it's the same thing when i have a busy work day i i have to just turn the phone off and then deal with it late at night well jimmy yeah. we've seen your phone and we know that you get an email <laughs> every time somebody leaves a comment on one of your youtube videos <laughs> you, you, and then you forward that email to another one of your email addresses <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Well, check this out. Look at this. I'm going to show you guys a surprise, right? Look how many emails we are at. Oh, oh well, it's it's down. It's down you know by a happened? factor of 10. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm at, last time I think it was 128,000. Now it's at 4,000. And what happened, what had happened was, Taylor said, oh, let me see your computer. You want to see a trick? And she went into the unsubscribe. She, she typed in unsubscribe in the search bar. And then she said, go over here and now select all. And it, it was like a hundred and something thousand. And then she goes, and then you just delete them. And she hit delete. I'm like, wait, wait. She hit delete. Yeah. It took about two days for it to finally delete all of those. So <laughs> those, are, those are all the emails that had somewhere in it unsubscribe. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And so I haven't got a YouTube comment in three days to my email. <laughs> And I just realized why just now because I unsubscribed. I guess I don't know. We should do a whole podcast on just Jimmy's, <laughs> Jimmy's email tricks. Oh, that wasn't a trick. That was Taylor <laughs> pirating my email account. I would have left one hundred twenty thousand emails in there, <laughs> just so you have them, you know, in <laughs> case. And then when we were driving just now, Jocko goes, "Look at you! You have four thousand emails unchecked." I'm like, "Wait, I have four thousand. I should have one hundred twenty-eight thousand." <laughs> and that's when I realized that the, the delete button finally caught up. And then he patted you on the back. Good job. <laughs> another thing, so the reason this this came up. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna say another thing that keeps me from being unproductive is not knowing certain softwares or certain techniques. And so when I do get to that part into the project, I find myself going to try to relearn something or to learn something for the first time. And so what I've been doing is kind of taking notes on my phone app, saying. Oh, learn how to do this in SketchUp or Fusion 360 or Illustrator or learn how to uh, use this particular jig before I get to the project. So that way, when I get to the project, I know what I'm doing and the flow keeps keeps going. That's a good that's a good idea. Like a little mini kind of long term to do list of just stuff. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Uh, so the reason the reason this came up for me was I saw an article a couple days ago about it was like. I can't remember what the title, but it was something like why having all those tabs open in your browser is is killing your time or something like that. And 
I typically keep Chrome open with about 10 browser tabs in it open all the time. And I don't like pile them up. Like my wife, she'll have a thousand tabs and they're just like everything she's ever opened. She never closes anything. Um, but I have a set that I like to have up there so I can quickly get through them. You know, I have like YouTube comments on one. I have my Trello board so I can get to ideas. I have social blade. If I need to look at that, you know, stuff like and Facebook and I can kind of pop through them all to kind of get a summary. Um, and the reason I keep them all open like that was because I used to try to not do that. And I would find myself several times a day being like, okay, now I got to open up the browser and I got to type in the thing. Now I got to go wait for it to load. And then I got to look whatever it was I wanted to look at. Now I got to go to the next one and follow that same thing. So I was like, well, I'll just have a preset, you know, tab system. Like that's just there. I can flip through them and then move on with my day. But so this article made a really good point that like, not only is that wasting my time because I see them and I'm, if they're there, I'm going to want to check them. So I'm probably actually checking them more than I would otherwise, but it's also killing like the Ram on my computer. I don't know why I didn't think about that. I'm a computer person, but (laughs) it dawned on me that like, you know, when you have multiple uh, tabs open in Chrome, they're separate versions of Chrome, essentially. They're like independent processes. So it's not like you're sharing a little bit of RAM between a couple of different windows. It's like you have that many chunks of RAM allocated. So basically, I'm just killing my own RAM for the computer, which makes my work slower, makes things render slower. Anyway, and that got me thinking, like, what else am I doing kind of without even realizing that's screwing up my productivity? I have Windows open that I opened like four years ago that is still open. Because my computer always, like, restarts the same program. Unless I do, like, an, a software update. If I open a window, like, today, I'll, it'll be open in three weeks from now. <laughs> unless I do a software upgrade. That's the only time I ever restart my computer. Unless the battery totally dies. See, I have a but, thing. You know, like, on a Mac, you could restart it, and it'll always keep your same windows yeah, yeah. open. See, I have so. a thing where every day has to, I have to start with, like, this clean slate. And it's another one of these little oh, mental right. hurdles that I need to get over. But, like... No windows open on my computer. The bench needs to be clean when I start a new project. The whole shop actually needs to be clean when I start a new project. I need to start (laughs) with a clean slate. (laughs) I got like 35 windows open. Just on desktop two. On three, (laughs) nothing. On desktop one, there's about 70. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, your computer would work better if you would close some of those. All right, all right. You and Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Taylor need to get together and set up a plan for old man Jimmy so he can... No, when Taylor sits on my computer, she's like, why is this here? Put this there. Why is this over here? Why is this open? Put that over there. Put this... These things should be together in here. And I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? And then whatever (laughs) she moved around is lost forever. I used to kind of do that with my wife because she was... You know, I've been into tech and computers and all this stuff forever. And she... When we got married, she, like, had an email address, but she wasn't really comfortable with computers stuff. And... So it's been a lot of like, hey, let me show you how to use this program. Like, hey, you should have a Gmail account. Hey, you should have a whatever. And so there was a point where I was trying to do what Taylor's doing to you. Like I was trying <laughs> to set everything up and like, no, this is the way you should do it. You should have these many tabs and this, you know, whatever. And eventually I was just like, all right, go for it. If you want to have a thousand tabs open, <laughs> help yourself. <laughs> it's not my computer. It's yours. <laughs> and that's part of like buying her a computer. You know, I was like, okay, here, this is your mess, not mine. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, but um, so like uh, cleanliness. You were talking about having a clean bench. Um, I kind of go back and forth between that 
being an, an issue for me. Hmm. It's weird. I don't, like, I'm I'm a, an organized person. I know where everything is. But if you look at my desk, you would not imagine that because it's just like piles of stuff everywhere. And like all anywhere else in the house, I put things exactly where they go. Like, you know, there's no reason for something to be laying on the table if it's got another place that it can be and it's not in the way. You know, so like I try to find stuff away just to put things away so they're not out. But man, my office, my desk, not the same way. <laughs> I just like set stuff down. But it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't stop me from being productive, I don't think. Um, I mean, I do have to kind of reset stuff for the camera's sake in the shop, you know, if I want to shoot things. Is that a big part of like why you clean the shop before you can be productive? Is it like camera stuff? It is camera stuff, I think. And, and if you look at my office at any given time, it is a mess too. My desk is a dumping ground for everything, you know, papers yeah. and bills and, and work and sometimes clothes and and whatever and it's it it doesn't keep me from being productive but it does definitely keep me from starting a new project because i feel like i can't start something until this other thing is uh, taken care of gotcha. and and like in like in eric comes over on tuesdays and we film and i do want a cleanliness uh look in the shop and so yeah. i do on mondays i clean the shop and charge all the batteries and design design the project and and I'm way behind today. It's four forty five and I haven't done any of that. But but yeah, I part of what I do is visual, the project itself and the video, and I want that to have a certain look. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. What about so we've been, mainly been talking about like uh, the building part of it. I think well, maybe not. But what about designs? So if you if you're like, I know Jimmy, most of your stuff is pencil and paper. Um, is there anything that stops you from being productive? And like, I need to come up with a design for a bed or whatever. Yeah. Is there anything that just gets in the way of that process for you? Uh, sometimes not looking at enough reference and getting enough input. You know, I feel you get good output when you get enough input. And if I'm cold alone in a hotel room with no internet connection and I have to come up with a bed. That's, that's kind of like the bed that's designed in Madagascar, you know, like away from everything as opposed to, you know, like the one that's designed with like some tangible reference. Uh, I just sent you guys both a picture. We'll talk about it at the end when I talk about recommendations. It's cool stuff. Um, so, yeah. So I, I, I think if I don't have good reference or if I feel like I'm not coming up with an original design based on, you know, my own personal mental reference – that's that sometimes is a hindrance. Like right now, I want to I want to do a project for a crossbow, and I have some sketches in my mind. I haven't drawn anything yet, but I have some ideas in my mind. But until I actually research, until I actually research some real crossbows and see how the mechanisms work, I really don't think I can come up with a conclusive design. Until I really do some research, you know, some historical research, because I I kind of want to make a period one that works based on some of the original versions. So. I, I have no idea how the mechanism works. I have an idea, but I, I, I don't know specifically how it works. I want to try and do something historically accurate, So, which mm. is something I usually don't do. I just go, eh, I'll figure it out. I'll make up my own version. But I want to try and do something that's like a proven mechanism. So I, I want to figure that out. Until I what? look and see how it is, I don't know what the answer is. So just out of curiosity, what's the motivation for making this one? You just want uh, to make sure that it works as it's supposed to, or is there something else behind that? Uh, no, I just want to, you know, because there's proven mechanisms. Sometimes, honestly, because 
this is a dangerous thing and I want to make it so that it's safe. And that's really the bottom line. I have a couple of ideas that'll make it even safer. I've always been reluctant to make a crossbow because growing up I had a real one and it was like the most dangerous thing we had in our house. And me and my, my stupid brothers, we would shoot it all the time in the backyard and we almost killed our neighbor with it. And so from that moment on, we just put it down Mm. because we realized how potential potentially, and my dad took the string off it and we never ever found the string. He probably threw it away. And, you know, we were too young and stupid to go buy a new one. We didn't know. There was no internet. We didn't have idea. Why do you buy like a 32-inch crossbow string? Who knows? And so uh, I just know how dangerous it is, and I want to make, a, make it accurate with a proven mechanism. And that's really the bottom line. Gotcha. Bob, do you find that there's – or both of you, actually. Do you find that there's a certain time of day uh, or night that you are better at designing something? Late, late, late at night when no one's around while I'm editing, I get good ideas and I instantly go, oh, that's how that looks. Oh, this is a new material. Yeah, I feel like my best ideas come from either the first thing in the morning or super late at night. And I don't know why that is, but that's where all my design ideas come from, or most of them, the good ones. Yeah, but I know it's not going to ring and the only notifications I get are people who are commenting on videos, you know. I'm not actually have a conversation with anybody. I think for me, like design wise, it's probably right after lunch, which is kind of funny because it's totally opposite what you guys said. Um, I don't really typically eat breakfast. I don't know why I just never do. And so my morning is always like a little, it's just like coffee. And so it's just, you know, like I got to get some stuff done until lunchtime and then I'll have like a good lunch. And then I'm at that point I'm fueled. Hmm. I guess I could just eat breakfast and make designs in the morning. But, <laughs> There's a great um, book you should check out called The Morning Miracle. It will change your your morning routine completely. I've heard you talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think I, I kind of do best after I've had. Because also the morning for me is like the first thing I do when I sit down at the desk is I run through email. I try to like write down a checklist of what I'm going to do for the day, and it's kind of just like you know getting the situation like. How is everything right now? What do I need to do? And I think it takes me a while to get through all that and get to the point where I'm like ready to to be creative. You know, it's a lot of it feels like kind of admin work in the morning. Hmm. And uh, so usually by the time I don't know that it's eating lunch that makes me feel like I'm creative and stuff. But I think it's just that time of day where I've kind of gotten passed through all the admin stuff, got some food ready to go on. But. But I'm also trying to get around that and try to change that because, you know, my editor uh, is here. He's been here about two days a week for past several weeks. Um, and that's a, something where if he gets here at the beginning of my day, I can't sit down at my desk because this is where he's editing. And so then, uh, you know, I can still check email and all that stuff, but it's less comfortable for me to just like sit here and kind of browse through stuff. And so I'm trying to get myself to take advantage of that. Okay, like here's two days a week where I'm not allowed to sit down at the desk. Like make the most of that morning, not just the afternoon, but make the most of that morning and just instead of like trying to find another place to sit, <laughs> you know, make them like sit, create the situation where I know I'm not supposed to sit down and I'm supposed to be really productive in the shop. Hmm. Um, and that's that's actually worked pretty well. Um, kind of forces me to, to not browse and all that stuff like I would so much. But I've. I don't know yeah. if you guys have noticed, but the last couple podcasts, I've been standing while recording. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to do something different because I find myself when I sit at my desk, 
uh, I am distracted by my phone or my computer. But if I'm standing, for whatever reason, I'm more focused on the podcast and paying attention what, to what you guys are saying. Not that I wasn't paying attention before, but yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. That's cool. I I don't really. I've tried to stand um, throughout the day, like the, the few days where I have had to work on the computer, where my editor's here at the main desk. I've tried to stand at my electronic station with my laptop up on a thing, so it's higher, and I mean, I know everybody's different. Everybody like has different things about sitting or standing while they work. But man, standing in one place for like several hours, even on like a cushioned floor or cushioned shoes to try to do computer work, it destroys my back. Like it's not even worth that time of me putting into it. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, um, any other ideas on productivity? I don't want to beat a dead horse, but. Well, I talked a little bit in the beginning before we got started was the idea that and I mentioned it recent in a recent vlog where I said, what comes first, the work or the tool? And what always motivates me is getting my hands on a new tool. And I don't always wait for the work before I buy the new tool, but sometimes that happens. A couple of years ago, I made this distillery model, and I know I needed a bender, a steel bender, to, like the roller, some of the drums I made for that, and uh, to kind of do a, a metal press for the pointed roofs on those things and so i knew that was the tool i needed and so there the job came first i bought the tool and recently i talked about this leather stitching tool and i don't have a job for that but i know if i buy it i'll definitely be able to definitely make videos with it but also probably make some money with it which is it's just the more important thing so that's something i'm going to do so i'm motivated by having a new product you know my plasma cutter of course my tormach machine i got some new new ideas i'm working on so the idea of getting motivation through new technology is, is obviously something to always consider. Yeah. I'm in a very – I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm in a very unproductive state over the past, I would say, four weeks. You know, in February, I was a couple of videos ahead, and then life thing happened, and I've had a really, really hard time of getting back into my schedule. And mentally, I'm, I'm – I'm okay. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not depressed or, or, or anything, but I just, I just don't feel motivated to get back into, to that schedule. And I have noticed it's, um, if you are a YouTuber, that the more you put out, the faster your channel grows, the more money you make. I mean, I've, I've, I'm watching a huge decline in my daily uh, subscribers and views because I'm not putting out the two videos a week. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure what the, what to do to get me back on, on track, but hmm. here I am. You just gotta, you just gotta make a video. That's it. Yeah. And uh, make a video with, make, make, make the video of something you like, you know, don't, don't make it just because, you know, we, we talked today about how you don't, you're not sure what your idea is, but if you jump right in there, you know, have people throw ideas at you. You know, ask Kelly, anybody around you, say, what should I make? I do that all the time. Like, I'll just meet somebody. Like, I'll be online at the store talking with Taylor. I'll turn to somebody. I go, if somebody can make anything for you, what, what would you want them to make? And the guy goes, oh, I need a magazine rack. You know, this is a, it's a great randomizer. So you could hmm. be thrown an idea. And then somebody might just say something you never would think of. You know, that's a, that's a brilliant tip. The randomizer, the thing, the, the yeah. wrench into your, your, your daily thing. And, and it kind of yeah. reminds me of... Um, you know, when we go on trips and I find myself at a hotel, I always find that 
I can be really super productive when I'm in a hotel. I don't know why I'm out of my element or whatever, but when um, we were in Chicago a couple months ago, um, I wrote nearly the, I'm, I'm doing a, um, uh, a keynote speech later in the year and I wrote near the nearly the entire outline while sitting in bed at the hotel I'm like how did all that come out of me but I mm-hmm. think I, there was just less distractions out of me um, around me and I was just in an unfamiliar environment and it just helped me get things done yeah I think that like that helps that happens to me too and I think it's uh, the stuff that you can't get yourself to focus on because you have your tools and your ideas and your workbench and your all this stuff around you uh, the things that you never let yourself work on, when all of those distractions are gone, your brain like, well, I can't make something, so I'm going to write. Or I mean, I do yeah. that. Like, I've been working on a writing project for two years, <laughs> and I only write it on planes or in airports. That's the only times I've ever written on it. And it's because, like, I in, during the week, I just cannot force myself to sit down and focus on that. Because it's not a priority. I mean, if it were a, like a money-making priority or something, yeah, it would it would work into the flow of everything else. But it's not, so it falls behind uh, the stuff that's gonna, you know, help me grow and make money and things like that. So, but when I'm in a plane, I can't build stuff, so I write. You know, yeah. I think that's pretty common. And and it's a good if you know that about yourself, it's a good thing to start building those ideas, putting them in a place to where you know that like next time you're in a hotel. That's when you work on speeches or talking or writing or right. whatever, you know. Or you could go to the local coffee shop or the library and, and go to work and to get away from those distractions too. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, I can't I can't trick myself in that way because yeah. I know that I could just drive home and my shop is here and I could, uh, <laughs> I could make something. But yeah. Um, but, yeah, totally. I mean, that's a self-control thing, I guess. But um, So you were talking earlier, Jimmy, about the, the t- getting a new tool can sometimes inspire the project. <clears throat> that's it's funny that you said that because that's counter to what uh, I think David and I both tell a lot of people when they're asking about getting started. They're like, "What tools should I buy to start working?" And <laughs> I know I always I always say like, "Don't buy anything. Figure out the project, then buy what you need to do that project, and then the next time do the same thing." And then after a hundred projects, you've got a whole <laughs> bunch of tools, right? Um, and so I, I want to make a distinction because that's yeah, you I, I are that's, in a very different place than I, what that person, I, you know. I think that's a really good advice. And I've also said the same thing. But now I'm also at a point now in my career where I kind of have to keep producing interesting content. And I want to keep it interesting for the for the viewers. And I want to keep it interesting for me. And now also because I have a, a little bit more liquid cash to be able to say, oh, let me go buy this you know, used thing for $500. Where in the past I wouldn't even have considered it unless I was doing it, unless I got a really big paycheck. I, I have this sort of theory that Whenever I get a big paycheck for a job, I go out and buy the tool that I've been wanting. So if I get like a five or $6,000 down payment, I go and buy something that I need with that tool that I've been wanting. But I just put it to bills and, you know, I'll hardly ever save any of it. So if I buy something that I can make money with out of that big chunk, then I'll feel like it was money well spent on something I could make money with. You know, yeah. it's not like I'm going to go buy a Corvette or something useless. I'll go and buy a Tipman, uh, tip, I think it's called Tipman Stitcher, or I'll buy, you know, an accessory for this new device I have, or, you know, I'll go buy a used lathe. When I bought a couple of years ago, I bought my big giant South Bend lathe. That was something I've always wanted. And, and it was, it, relatively speaking, it was cheap. It was $2,000 used, you know, it's a 70 year old machine, $2,000. 
um, you know, I feel it was money well spent. I, I made that back 10 times making ice picks on it. <laughs> it's a nine-foot lathe. I'm making four-inch-long ice picks on it. But, <laughs> you know, I've made some other stuff on it, some table legs and my cannon. I'm, gonna, I'm about to make a new cannon on it. So I'm able to create content on a unique machine that, that I feel uh, interested in using and learning on. You know, so that's just an example. Yeah. Cool. You got anything else? Well, that's it. I guess you really just, uh, I think the idea of being, being approached with a random thought from a stranger or, or a friend or family is a good way to, to motivate. You know, just yeah. Yeah. Pick that's up a good the phone tip. and call a friend and say, do you need anything in your house? I got to make a video and I don't know what to make. <laughs> is there anything you've yeah. been wanting to see me make? You know, somebody that you wouldn't expect watches you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, well, like the, I like the random thing there. Yeah, yeah, it really helps. I, I do it all the time, and I'm just like, what do you need? My, my mother like, you know what I need? I, I'm like, forget it. I don't know. Stuff, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to ask. I didn't mean so. it. <laughs> I need a pot holder, you know. <laughs> yeah. And like, if, if you're like me and you're somebody who <clears> – <throat> I get in this kind of spinning cycle where, like, I have so much to do. I don't know what to do. I have so much – you know, and I just sit there and I spin on, like, not doing anything but the fact that there's so much to do. If you're like that or you have trouble being motivated or anything, try to – I would suggest trying to identify some of the situations that make you distracted or that make you – you know, that fill up your time that aren't productive, uh, the, the time sucks, and just start trying to work against those. You know, even doing – figuring out one of those and working against it will make you more productive to some degree. So I think it's worthwhile looking into. Um, let's see. What, uh, there was a question, uh, we're kind of running long, but there's a question that I've been meaning to answer, and I want to get your all's opinion as well. Um, but somebody, and I can't remember who asked, and I apologize, somebody asked a few weeks ago when we were asking for questions about whether they should trademark their brand name when they're starting out on YouTube, like, or at what point you should trademark that. And I have a, a specific opinion here. Do you guys have an opinion on that? Yeah, get a little um, yeah, have I a wasted lawyer 500 bucks. <laughs> have a lawyer do it. And, you know, if you really, if you, there's somebody seemingly similar to you or you feel like your brand might be threatened by somebody new on the scene, maybe you do it. But I don't know. I, I, my, I'm a strong believer in just trying to make things popular so that they become yours in the public domain. And, you know, if somebody else comes, I mean, I, I'm lucky I use my name. So I've actually tried to trademark my name. I've had to write a couple of letters to the trademark department saying, you know, I branded it, made it this way. My my lawyer friend is handling it. I'm not being that aggressive about getting it. I really want to trademark my name just so I can put the rest of TM for the haters that get mad when I spray paint my name everywhere. I just want to make sure that this is the rest of with a TM inside the stencil. That's the only reason I want a TM on it. But, yeah, but then you have to go back and update every spray that you <laughs> ever put everywhere, and that's like fifty thousand of them. That's I'm gonna make a little tiny TM thing and hire all oh. my my students to go around. <laughs> <laughs> including one at the fairgrounds at the at the west coast maker fair i remember yeah, the very right. first time i ever saw jimmy in person he's spray painting his name on the ground <laughs> i did it a few places that day gretchen was laughing at me. Uh, um, yeah I, I think it all depends i mean honestly it's probably not important at the end of the day it's probably yeah. not worth doing it's i have a different opinion than that but so, i try to do the legal zoom the cheaper way of going about getting a trademark and it didn't work out in my favor and so that i tried to to do the the trademark of make something 
next to a saw blade. And I didn't write it correctly, and I didn't get the trademark. And um, I needed to rewrite it. And then my my lawyer, who's also my buddy, he's like, Dave, you should have just came to me first. We would have gotten this taken care of. And it takes a long time. And the reason that set things in motion for me to get that trademark was because somebody was making T-shirts that said, make something next to a saw blade. Oh. Mm. And uh, so. Gotcha. Yeah. I went the legal Zoom route as well, and mine worked. But, oh. um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think the the big question, or well, the thing I was thinking about when this question was asked was, like, why is it you think you need a trademark? Because not everybody needs one, um, and I don't think that has to do necessarily with size. But like Jimmy, you mentioned last names. I think that's a big thing. So, take David and I. Both of our our names, our company names, are general there i like to make stuff is about like one of the most general things make something is one of the most general things you can say in the maker world um and so the chances that somebody else is going to use that phrase either one of those phrases on a shirt or as a website or as a group or as a something uh it's pretty there's a pretty good chance that that's going to happen and if that encroaches on your potential business that's something you want to protect against. So that's the reason people have trademarks. It's not just so that you can have the TM next to the name. <laughs> I mean, that's why most people do it. Um, but I just so, so when I look at like uh, YouTube, a lot of the channel names are, and even websites, you know, a lot of them are like a last name and then woodshop or workshop or, you know, there's like a, a, a personal identifier in the name. And so I'm not saying that that won't ever be in use by someone else, but the chances are a lot smaller that, you know, Smith's Woodshop are going to be, uh, somebody's going to encroach on that. That's less likely than I like to make stuff or, you know, I, I can't think of another example that's similar to that, but something really general. Um, so you got to look at, you know, what are the chances that somebody's going to inadvertently copy your name or do it on purpose but then also, like, what's the impact on the, on you that that's going to cause? So for me, I've got a trademark in website. I can't remember what they call it, but it's like in digital website name stuff. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of different classifications, and you have to pay for each one of these classifications that you want the trademark in. So I've got it in apparel types and in the website stuff. So if somebody else tries to get I like to make stuff dot something... Um, and they they have a a site that would distract people or confuse people from mine. That's the person that would be encroaching on my business, and then that's why I would have the trademark. If somebody does a totally different type of business, but it has the same name, but it doesn't compete with me, it doesn't draw people away from what I do. That's not somebody I could go after anyway. And there's really no reason to because we're working in different places. So all that to say, like, if you're looking at whether you should get one or not, think about those things and think about what the likelihood is that it's going to actually be needed. Um, and, you know, just balance that against the cost because it does cost a lot of money. So mm-hmm. I just trademarked. I like to break stuff, by the way. I have a trademark. <laughs> Go for it. It Does doesn't, somebody doesn't have compete. that? Didn't we joke around about that? Didn't somebody have that? Yeah, there's a, another channel. Uh, I can't remember exactly who it is, but it's somebody who watches all of our stuff. And he got Alex like right? stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. just him breaking things on his channel. So <laughs> it's just funny. For a while, we owned I like to bake stuff.com. And we were going to, like, 
Jenny was getting, my wife was going to set up like a baking channel or do some baking recipes or something on there. And we just kind of never get around to doing it. So I let it go. But oh. I just, you know, it's also available. I like to rake stuff that's available. <laughs> our backyard <laughs> is such a mess from the, from the winter season. So you can come over here and rake like our to, backyard. I like to take stuff that's available. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. I've been down <laughs> that, that conversational road several times. I'm really not looking. I'm just making stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, what have you been watching? Well, Anything? I like to bake stuff. My pick of the week is <laughs> America's Test Kitchen. Oh. And it's a great it's a great television show, but it's also a great web channel, uh, a YouTube channel. Lots of cool little tips, and it gets into the science of cooking, and it's for everyday people. Like, you don't need fancy stuff to do what they're doing because the research that they're doing is for people like us and it's i don't know it's just a great channel it's well put together and i love watching the videos even if it's for things i don't ever intend to make right on. um i sent you guys both something that me and jocko worked on yesterday which is why we left atlanta late and uh, i was thought i was going to say it on here but i'm not going to but it involves a high-speed camera and a drone Saturday that will after this video airs the day after our podcast airs. But Jocko conceived of this idea and he worked with a young man named Mr. Steele. That's the name of Mr. Steele's channel. And he is like one of the top drone, first person drone flyers hmm. in the world. We got to hang out yesterday and and him and Jocko collaborated on something again, which involves Jocko just bought this camera, which is a thirty thousand frame per second dedicated camera. I forget the name of it. It's like it looks like a little blue box with a lens on it. And it is incredible. It works through the computer. You have to have it hooked up to a computer for it to work. And we shot stuff yesterday at 4,000 frames per second. And it, it stops action in space. And it's really cool. And came up with this idea to use Mr. Steele and his drone and a high-speed camera. And Jocko is going to put this video, video out on Saturday. He's actually here now. He's probably already editing it in the other room. So, But check out Mr. Steele. He, he flies these, these drones that you see racing at Maker Faire. But it's insane. We, where we worked on yesterday's video, there was a thousand trees. And he had this sort of loop that he figured out right away. And every time he had to do this thing where he made the drone pass the camera hundreds of times. And he, he never crashed the drone once. I was amazed. And the, the drone flies about 70 miles an hour. It is insane. And he just stands there just like, you know, he looks like he's blind because he actually has on a whole headgear. And he doesn't move because he's just looking at a lens in his eye. And his hands, his thumbs are just, and this thing is just zipping around, incredible, like flying through trees. It's it's like watching a CGI like right before your eyes because the maneuvers that the thing makes is like only possible in CGI. You know, like when you watch a CGI animation, all the beautiful things that can only be possible. Hmm. But yeah. just the this, this skilled way this kid flies a drone is just insane. Hmm. Crazy. And his channel's got oh. some cool cool videos of this the drone flying through abandoned buildings and stuff. That's oh, nice. Oh, I, you know, I may have seen that before, actually. Hmm. Um, so I haven't really been watching much, anything new. Did I talk about the the backwards talking thing last week? You did. You did, and I told you it might be my buddy David Fura. It wasn't oh, David? that's right. That's right. No, it wasn't. So the video's out now. Uh, that I don't think was out last week. I talked about the podcast that they had talked about. The video's out, and you can actually see the guy talk. Is it, sorry, if anybody didn't hear last week's episode, uh, 
Destin from Smarter Every Day put out a video about him trying to break this guy's brain. This guy talks backwards. You can tell him a word. He'll say it backwards, like just like that. And so he basically just tries to do all these things to see how far he can take it. This guy can take it and how many distractions it takes to you know, stop him from being able to perform this little skill thing. And it's a really entertaining video because Destin's just funny and he gives the guy like all these different animals, makes him hold like cats and roosters and all sorts of stuff just to try to get the guy to mess up. But I don't know. It's pretty fascinating. Um, so I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, Got to thank our Patreon supporters. Yeah. This, yeah. Um, this week we got Make, Build, Modify, and Wise Old Dowel. Oh. Clever name. Yeah. Um, as our top patrons. So thanks to them and everybody else. Thank support you. Thank us you over there. Thank you guys. Thank you. And if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. And we have a bunch of different um, levels of reward over there that we never really talk about on here. And some of them, like, there's a different range of stuff. But one of the, the levels that we never mention is T-shirts. And so, like, if you support the show at a certain level, we'll send you a T-shirt. So if you want, you can buy those if that's all you want. Um, but we can also send you one for helping out the show. We put some people's names in the show notes, and then we call out the top patrons, you know, stuff like that. Or if you just want to give us a dollar to help support the show, that'd be awesome, too. Yep. So, yeah, there's that. And it is tax time, and we're going to have to pay taxes. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. We need your help. Yeah, so Patreon's awesome. <laughs> I have a, a thought that I wanted to say. Yesterday at the Wood Show, I bumped into uh, a gentleman, and uh, forgive me, I forgot his name, and he had a, a Rubik's Cube in a jar and i said this is cool what made you do this and he said because you talked about your friend harry ag mm -hmm. and i was so touched that he looked up harry and he made he put something in a jar and then right near me was andrew setters he goes oh i got a few i'm going to show he's, he's been filming videos of him putting things in jars because of me talking nice. about harry and i was like i was like oh my god it would it would be so amazing if we could honor harry's memory Nobody really, he, there wasn't too much video about him other than his finished objects on, on, a, on like a Google image search. Harry Ang, E-N-G. If people would Google Harry, look at his work, and then challenge themselves to put things into bottles. <laughs> and uh, I mean, to, to honor Harry's memory, I think that would be great. And if we get enough of them, I'll contact his family and, and tell them what we're doing. So That'd maybe awesome. hashtag Harry Ang and include me in the, in the podcast on it. And, Maybe we could start a collection, an online collection of unusual things in bottles. And, and <laughs> I'll talk about it in the vlog this week, too. So Sweet. Yep. That's it. Awesome. Cool. Uh, if you have ideas for you know, show topics and stuff, tweet them at us, at Making It Podcast. We appreciate it. I guess that's it. You guys got anything else? That's it. No. We have a, we have a Twitter or a, an Instagram account. Let's, uh, let's start posting our projects and, and stuff up on there. Oh yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. so we don't use that. that. We, we don't use it. We're gonna. We're going to. We're going to. Cool. So. And everybody, everybody, even if you don't have Twitter, get a Twitter. Send Jimmy a tweet and say "Happy Birthday, old man." Oh you know, my god! Right? It's funny. Oh my! <laughs> I logged into Facebook today, and uh, Jimmy came up right up at the top, and it said like Jimmy has like three hundred and sixty-four new Happy Birthday messages. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. 
And you know, this is why I hate Facebook. I go there to look at them, and it's only showing me three. It took me ten minutes to find the click that says, "Do you have four hundred and fifty more happy birthday messages?" And I click it, and it only unfolds three more. And uh, I got to read them, and unclick it, and it shows three more. I hate Facebook. Sorry, Facebook. <laughs> but you lose attraction fast with me. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for the birthday wishes. It's it's just wonderful to be loved in this community and and to be able to contribute in this community. So thank you very much. Cool. All right. That's it for this week, guys. We'll uh, see you next week. That's it. I love this community. <laughs>